Father God, we praise you that you speak to us through your word, and we pray that you do that now, that you'd open our eyes to the glory of the treasure of belonging to Jesus' kingdom. We pray in his name. Amen. So this is Matthew's account of uh, Jesus' teaching his followers as they prepare to go out on mission. That's what we've seen in the last uh, few weeks, this term as we've been looking at this. They're going to be going out into the world to tell others about him. What should they expect as they do that? And we've seen that they shouldn't be surprised when things are difficult. They shouldn't be surprised by opposition. Uh, The growth of God's kingdom will often be slow. It will often be hidden. Responses will vary. Some people will say, yeah, I want to know more about this, and they'll come to believe in Jesus. Others will say, this is the biggest load of nonsense I've ever heard in my life. But even while all that is going on, the outcome will be certain. The tiny, weak seed that we've been hearing about over the last few weeks, particularly this tiny, weak seed that is planted, will become a tree that is the largest of all the trees in the garden. And Matthew divides up this gospel, this book, into blocks of action and teaching. And each time the teaching ends and a new block starts, he has a particular phrase that he uses, or a particular sort of similar kind of form of words. And you can see that in verse 53. When Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on. That tells us this is the end of this section, and that's why we're ending this series in these verses today. And as we arrive then at the end of what Jesus is saying in this section, we hear something suitably climactic from Jesus as he asks us to consider what is most valuable to us. What is your answer to that question? What is most valuable to you? Maybe on Black Friday weekend, you know, no longer a day, is it, but an entire 10-day season of frenetic purchasing, maybe it is good to be reminded what is truly valuable. And according to Jesus, it's not a really good deal on the iPhone 12. It's, it's not a pair of tickets to the first West End show to reopen next year. It's not even a meal with family and friends after so much time apart. The thing that is truly valuable is belonging to Jesus' kingdom. This is what it's, uh, this is about, these, these words in front of us. And it's what we see this morning, the treasure of belonging to Jesus' kingdom. Value it, stake everything on it, and share it. So let's see that. Here we go. First of all, the treasure belongs to Jesus' kingdom. Value it from verses 44 to 46. Chapter, chapter 13 has been a chapter of parables, these little stories that illustrate Jesus' teaching. And we've seen, if you've been with us, we've seen that, that Jesus has not just used parables to teach, but he's taught about parables. He's taught what parables do and what they're for, what their purpose is, how they work. And he's shown that they're designed to puzzle and to intrigue. And Jesus has made it clear this will mean that that some give up from the start and walk away. You know, we don't know what this guy's on about. There's nothing to see here. And they will reject what they hear. But while, while some are doing that, others will draw nearer 
to listen harder, to figure out the secrets of the kingdom, as Jesus calls them, the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. And so through this chapter, we hear Jesus explaining the meaning of some of these parables as he helps his disciples draw nearer and understand. But actually, he doesn't explain all of them. And the reading that that we heard begins with two parables that stand by themselves. The man finding treasure and the merchant looking for pearls. Now, Jesus doesn't directly explain, which means we need to do what he's been encouraging his followers to do all through the chapter, which is to draw nearer, to, to, to ponder, to think, to do some detective work, to figure out what are these parables about? What do they mean? So we might begin by asking, well, who are the men in these parables, the people doing things? Is this about human beings finding God? Or actually, it's worth asking, could it be about God finding human beings? We, we, we often say human beings don't seek God, naturally. We, we do the opposite. We, we run away. We hide. And the shock of the gospel is that God then comes looking for us. He comes seeking us. It's not that God is hiding or, or, or needs saving. We're the ones who are hiding. We're the ones who need saving. That is the Christian message, actually, isn't it? Someone commented this week, as as politicians have debated, you know, how are we going to save Christmas? Well, actually, we don't need to save Christmas. Christmas saves us. And, of course, through the rest of the chapter, the subject of the the parables, the the, the farmer sowing the seeds in the fields or, or letting down the net in the next parable, who's doing all those things in all the other parables? The one doing the action in each of these cases is God. So could it be that this is about God in his joy finding his people, selling all he has, becoming nothing, as we heard from David earlier when he was speaking, but born as a a tiny, weak, defenceless baby in a forgotten town to save his treasured possession? Well, it's worth considering. But in, in the context of the rest of the chapter, actually, it's it's hard to see why that would be the point that Jesus is making here. The point seems to be more about why Jesus' followers need to treasure the kingdom and trust the power of God's word as they go into the world to tell others about him. When it's easy to feel weak and on the back foot and losers rather than winners Followers of Jesus need to know you found real treasure, so value it. Now, it's true, the Bible doesn't normally present human beings as actively looking for God, which is what has led some people to think maybe this is about God seeking us. But actually, both these parables, if you look closely, they have a sense of an unexpected find about them. It's not that these guys sort of set out knowing what they were going to find, if you look. There's the man who, it seems, finds treasure in the field by accident. You know, he's not out there with a metal detector, as sort of modern treasure hunters are, and occasionally they they strike lucky. Now, he's just going about his business, and he comes across a hoard of treasure. Now, and as always with Jesus' parables, we're not to read this as a comment on modern business ethics. You know, was it fair for the man to buy the field, presumably without telling the owner what he'd found in the field? 
in order to kind of get the value from that. Well, no, that, that isn't the point. The point is that this is an unexpected find for him. It's not what he was expecting to see. And therefore, once he's worked out that it's there, it is worth selling everything for in order to get it. So that, that's the guy in the field finding this treasure unexpectedly. Then there's the merchant. Now, on the one, on one hand, you might think, well, no, he's actively seeking. He's a merchant looking for pearls. This is his job. But actually think about what would a merchant looking for pearls be expecting to find? You know, this is how he makes his living. He, he finds a pearl every, you know, every few weeks or whatever. He finds another one and he's able to sell it and carry on making a living. But then today, what he finds is one that is so extraordinarily valuable that it's worth selling everything for in order to buy. However his day began as he set out looking for pearls, this is presumably not how he expected it to end. As he takes everything to the bank to get as much value as he can to buy this one pearl. So do you see, this is, this is an unexpected find in the field and for the merchant. Isn't that a picture of what it's like to come to know Jesus Christ? See, for some, it is totally unexpected. It, you know, it was for me, I was invited to a, a church youth group on the pretext of it being a good place to go to meet girls. So when I went and, you know, to put it cheesily, I met Jesus in his word through the clear teaching and loving example of the leaders of that group. That wasn't what I was expecting as a teenager. But it's what I found. But for others, there may be a sense that, that we've been searching like the merchant for pearls. You know, I, I kind of sense of, well, life without God doesn't quite make sense. And I'm looking for wisdom. I'm looking for something more. I'm looking for meaning. I'm looking for purpose. And someone might even think, oh, you know, I'll try church. Maybe they've got something to teach me. But then what they find isn't just a a bit more wisdom, a, a few more rules, a bit of religious insight to add to the melting pot of what, of what the world has to offer. What they find is a living relationship with the God who made us through, uh, and a relationship that comes about through Jesus who despite our sin and the ways we turned our back on him, he went to the cross for us. You know, wow, why would he do that? This is not what I was expecting to find. This changes everything. And that is how and why these two men are able to go and sell everything they have to get what they've found. Because they think, this thing is so valuable, it's worth selling everything for. So if that's the case then, value it. The question is then, what is it about the kingdom that gives it this value? that makes you say, yes, this is worth giving up everything for. Is it really worth it? What could possibly make Christianity worth giving up everything else for? Well, that is what we see then in the, in the next parable. So the second thing to see in these verses, stake everything on it. Stake everything on it. Now the picture changes and we're on a lake and there's a net that's let down, and it catches all kinds of fish. And when it's full, the fishermen haul it in, and then they separate out the good fish and the bad fish. And now Jesus adds an explanation. 
unlike the previous two parables, he says, this is how it will be at the end of the age. There will be a separation of the wicked from the righteous. And we get a repeat of the imagery, if you were with us last week, we, we saw a very similar kind of uh, words at the end of the reading last time. The wicked will be thrown into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now this is Jesus talking. The same Jesus who says in the same gospel, in, in chapter 5 in Matthew's gospel, turn the other cheek and love your enemies. But it's, it's sometimes forgotten that warnings about hell are found more on the lips of Jesus in the New Testament than anybody else. And in particular, it's from Jesus himself. You know, who is Jesus? He's gone on earth as a, a man. He's speaking with all of God's authority as God the Son. And it is from him that we hear these dramatic descriptions of the eternal destiny of those who reject him. You know, weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's what you do when you regret decisions that you've made and you find yourself unable to do anything about it. That is how it will be, Jesus says, for those who persist and finally reject him. And whenever he says this, of course, as he does a number of times in different places in, in all four Gospels, it's not out of hatred or malice that he says these things, but out of love. Can you see that? It, it's loving, isn't it, but to, to warn of what is ahead. You know, if you, we, we often say, if you see a child playing in the middle of the road, you don't wait, you don't sort of worry about whether it's right to intervene. You, you warn, you go and you say, get out of the way. Because stay as you are and there will be a disaster. That is what Jesus is doing here. And in fact, not to do that, if this is true, not to do so would be terribly unloving. So can you see, this is not the only reason but it is a very big reason why the treasure and the pearl of belonging to God's kingdom are worth selling everything for. Because this is about eternity. This is about where we spend eternity. Later in the, in the gospel, in, in chapter 16 in Matthew's gospel, Jesus will say, what good is it to gain the whole world and yet forfeit your soul? You know, you could have the dream relationship, the dream job, the dream house, the dream bank balance, and go on the best holidays and build the best memories. But for what, Jesus is saying? Because the net will be pulled up from the water and you and I will stand before a holy God. And what is going to matter then? The only question that will matter is, do you belong to this kingdom or not? And like last week, there's this little hint of a sting in the tail of what Jesus is saying here. Back in verse 41, at the end of the previous reading, if you've got that in front of you, you can see we saw that the weeding that happens at the end of the age in the story of the weeds and the wheat in the field, when the wheat and the weeds have been allowed to grow together to the end, and at the end the weeds are removed, they're removed out of the kingdom. Do you see that verse 41? 
And now verse 47, this net is let down. But when does that happen? Well, is it just at the end? Well, well, the idea with a fishing net is that it's let down and it takes time to fill. It's not an instantaneous thing. And there's this sense of waiting for the net to be full. When it was full, verse 48, that's when they pulled it up. So is it just possible that, again, Jesus is warning that the division that takes place is not simply between those who call themselves Christians and those who don't, or between those who, you know, turn up at church occasionally and those who don't. But like at the end of chapter 7 in, in the Sermon on the Mount, it's, the division is between those who hear Jesus' words and put them into practice and bear fruit. These are all pictures that he uses throughout the Gospel. And, and we saw that idea of bearing fruit in the parable of the sower as well. It's between those people on the one hand and then those who don't bear fruit on the other and that could he's warning through the gospel he's warning that could include even those who formally associate with God's people here and now but haven't actually put their trust in Jesus for themselves or allowed that seed to take root and bear fruit in their lives and again Jesus doesn't actually spell that out in his explanation of the parable so he leaves us to wonder. But either way, we're seeing why belonging to his kingdom is the most valuable treasure we could ever possess. I was looking to see what the most valuable pearl in the world is, and it turns out, if you didn't know, it's a pearl found by a Filipino fisherman about uh, 15 years ago. And... Um, Guys, oh, it's disappeared from my thing here. If you could put the next slide up. There it is. Uh, it's two foot long. It's been weighed there. Uh, he, he found it while fishing. He didn't quite know what it was when he, when he found it fishing. And, and uh, he could tell it was something special. We didn't quite realise it was the world's most valuable pearl. Um, and so he, uh, he took it home and he put it under his bed in his small fisherman's hut. Um, for good luck. And every day he would kiss it before heading out for a day's fishing. Anyway, it turns out around 10 years after he did this, uh, the, the opposite of good luck came his way and his fisherman's hut burnt down and all that was left was this pearl. And so he took it off to be identified and valued and discovered it was worth $100 million dollars. Do you see, he had something of extraordinary value that could even survive the flames. And that is what we have in Christ. And it rather puts in perspective, doesn't it, the desires, you know, for the normal Christmas or for the bounce back from COVID or indeed any, any other of our desires and ambitions we might have for our lives. Now, Jesus says, look, this is something you can stake everything on. You can stake eternity on this. The treasure of belonging to my kingdom is worth valuing and worth giving up everything for. 
And then thirdly and finally, if you put up the next slide, share it. Share the good news of belonging to, to God's kingdom. Have you understood these things? Asks Jesus. Now, we might not be completely sure if we have actually understood every detail of what he's been saying in, in this chapter. But remember, Jesus has made it clear. In the end, there are only two types of people. There are those who are on the outside, maybe in an obvious way, failing to understand anything of what it means to follow Jesus, you know, maybe clearly rejecting him, or, or actually still on the outside, maybe less obviously, failing to bear fruit, cultivating the weeds as the word is sown. There are those people on the outside and then there are those on the inside who are listening and being given understanding by Jesus. See, understanding is a gift from him. The secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you. Verse 11, he said earlier in the chapter. It's, it's often a process when you come to understand what he's saying, that the parables force us to come near and understand more when we puzzle and we go, I don't get that. When we have a blocker, as, we're, as the, the teens are looking for this morning. And we, we, we're forced to dig deeper and to look for greater insights. So when he's saying, have you understood all these things? He's not, he's not saying, well, unless you've got every, every little I dotted and T crossed, you know, then you're on the outside. But he's saying, the job of the one who has heard and been given understanding by him as we seek to keep receiving that understanding and keep drawing near to him, the job of that person doesn't end when they have understood. Verse 52, every teacher of the law who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of the storeroom new treasures as well as old. Here is that treasure that he's been talking about all through these verses again. It is a treasure that is to be used for others. The new and the old are big themes in Matthew's gospel. I don't know if you remember in, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And he goes on, you, you have heard it said in the law and in the interpreters of the law, but now I say to you, Jesus says. See, the old is fulfilled in Jesus, and he then adds to that the teaching of the new covenant with his own authority. So it's old and new. And it's not just for the follower and for the insider who's been given the understanding of these things, and, and is growing in that understanding. With all that that's been given to us, insiders are now to share that with the world. Jesus will end Matthew's gospel by commissioning these insiders who've been given the secrets of the kingdom to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. This is treasure to be shared. And so it's still our job now, if, if we're following Jesus if we've understood something of what it means to, to, to trust him and belong to him, and the, if, we've, if we've seen the treasure of belonging to his kingdom, well, it's our job now, in the face of fears of COVID among our friends and you know, whoever's in our Christmas bubble and whoever isn't in that bubble and might be having to do Christmas in a very different way, 
This is a treasure to be shared with all of these. Let's not miss the opportunities with this very different Christmas ahead to share this treasure with our local community and our friends and our family, to take advantage of what can be done online with those further away, to take advantage of what can be done right here in the building as we will, God willing, be able to do. Um, We've heard a little bit about that earlier. It's often said there is no easier invite to a Christian event than to come to something to do with Christmas. So who are we going to invite? It's worth thinking and planning. In the end, it is the value of the treasure that will motivate us to stake our lives on it, to stake everything on it for the sake of eternity, and then to share that with others. Isn't that too costly, someone will ask? Won't it be too painful if I really take seriously what Jesus is saying? Well, Jesus says, yes, yes, you need to sell everything. Tim Keller points out the the, the answer to the question about whether something is too expensive, which is really what that question is, isn't it? Do I really have to give up all my hopes and ambitions and dreams and be willing to to just follow Jesus with my whole heart and my whole life? Isn't that too expensive? Well, it, it really depends on what the thing that you're being asked to buy with what you give up is. See, is, think about it like this. Is 500 pounds a lot of money? Is 500 pounds a lot of money? Well, I wouldn't pay that for a stapler or a portion of chips. You know, that would be extortionate to spend 500 pounds on that. But if you're, if you're offering a, a brand new, never been driven Ferrari for 500 pounds I won't even check my bank balance I'll be back in an hour with the cash no questions asked see the reason this kingdom is worth having is that in the end it costs you nothing even though it costs you everything we heard that in Isaiah chapter 55 the first reading that that invitation is striking the way that Isaiah puts it come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. You know, sure, following Jesus may cost us our reputation with colleagues, our standing among our friends at school, our our, our dream job even, our career. It may cost us all those things, but but viewed from eternity, in 10,000 years' time and, and beyond, in the new heavens and the new earth, with Jesus, with no more pain, suffering, tears and death, will that seem like a cost? In his joy, says Jesus, verse 44. Did you see that? In his joy, he went and sold all he had so he could get the treasure in the field. Not, not, not in his sadness, not because his arm had been twisted, not because it was his duty, not because he'd been manipulated, but in his joy, he went and sold all he had because of what he stood to gain. A phrase for our age is FOMO, fear of missing out. It was thought initially that one advantage of lockdown earlier this year would be the end of FOMO, and people started writing this in articles and things. But it turned out FOMO just moved, and it moved online. And now we watch each other from behind our phone screens, terrified that somebody else might be having a better time than me. 
Well, here is the treasure that turns FOMO into JOMO, the joy of missing out. That's what Jesus is talking about, isn't it? I get to sell everything and have this treasure that really matters, says the man buying the field. Isn't that liberating? No longer to fear what we're missing. No longer to be sad about what might have been, you know, frustrated about what isn't possible, anxious about the future, regretful about the past. No, sell it all in your joy. Stake your life. Stake everything on the treasure of belonging to Jesus' kingdom. Have we done that? Have you done that? Today would be a great day to enter this kingdom by simply trusting Jesus, receiving what he's offering as a gift, turning our backs on all the other ways we look for joy and satisfaction and looking for it only in him. And then as we go on in this Christian life, to begin each day thanking God for the gift, for the treasure of belonging to his kingdom. And then as we make decisions, big ones, small ones, where we live, what job we do, what we spend our money on, how we spend our time, will this help me treasure belonging to his kingdom more or will it cause me to treasure the world more than him? Because if we have the treasure of belonging to Jesus' kingdom, we have everything we need. So value it, stake everything on it, and then share it. Let's have a moment of quiet to reflect on these things before I pray. Father God, what treasure this is that we get to sell everything else that we might have thought was important to us in order to be part of what you give us in Christ. We get to belong to this kingdom. Father, we pray for our fears and our anxieties in ourselves and those around us to be transformed from fear to joy because of what we get to receive, this treasure, this pearl, being in your kingdom, safe from final judgment, safe to be with you in your kingdom in eternity forever. And in valuing this above all else, might we then share this with others this Christmas and beyond, and might that then bear fruit in our lives. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.